and welcome to another edition, another episode, I should say, of Cathode Ray Mission. I am Will Scoville in Berkeley, California. With me, as always, in Oklahoma City is Randy Heyer. Hey, Randy. Hey. How's it going, Randy? Will? I'm doing well. Doing? I'm, I'm all right, man. Um, this week, uh, it's it's we're coming back to one of my picks. Uh, and this one is from 1978. It is Thank God It's Friday. Uh, an ensemble um, comedy all set in a disco. It's got, uh, you know, an ensemble cast, lar- a large number of people. Uh, the person that uh, you will probably most recognize is, of course, Jeff Goldblum, who plays Tony, uh, <laughs> the guy who runs uh, the zoo, which is the discotheque. <laughs> uh, He's a also sleazy got- nightclub owner. Oh, boy, is he sleazy. Um, it's also got folks like Deborah Winger. And, of course, the Commodores uh, with Lionel Richie uh, in this as well. And so um, and, and Donna Summers in this as well. She, she plays a main character who kind of is sneaking around. Indeed. Uh, this is a movie that I have known about for a long time but had not actually seen until this year. It's sort of the disco um, Nashville or something. A like. bit like that, yeah. <laughs> Super low run <laughs> version of that. Um, and... It is a great movie. I really like it. Um, it has a good atmosphere to it. It is a it is a comedy. It sits very well as a comedy. All the characters are great. And what it essentially is is that there's a discotheque, and you're there on a Friday night, and there are a bunch of people who go in, and you follow all these characters over the course of a single night Absolutely. at the discotheque. It's a format that has been done countless times and when done well is just like amazing and is fun to watch and it's great to see these characters kind of like develop over the course of the night. They're completely different people at the end of the night uh, when they exit the club. Um, I love it. I really, I really enjoyed it. It was really kind of a surprise. Uh, I knew it was going to be like fun and interesting, but I didn't realize how how much I was going to like I kind of identify with all the characters in this movie in some <laughs> fashion. Yeah. Um, but let's just go ahead and get into it, Randy. Like, what did you? Had you heard of this movie before I introduced? No. It to you? And actually, to be honest with you, based on your last couple picks and the title of this movie, I thought it would be some sort of like. 1950s comedy or something, you know, like I really didn't know yeah. what this was going to be. So I pulled it up, not unlike Wheels on Meals is another episode or another movie that I didn't did no research on and just pulled it up and was surprised by what it was based on the title, what my assumption was. So when this was about, I saw Donna Summer or whatever, I was like, oh, okay, you know, uh, it was. It was a lot of fun. It was a movie. I was sort of wary of it at first because I've watched a lot of, like, a mutual friend of ours, Big Rick, he's really into, like, van movies. And those movies, (laughs) I mean, just like movies from the 70s or big shaggy dog stories where it follows all these threads. Sometimes they're not good, you know? And sometimes Mm -hmm. you're just in it for the long haul with something that is just like, holy shit, this sucks. But I will say I had a great time watching it. I loved one of the actors. I can't stop thinking about, I looked, he's only in two movies. The, the dude he's meeting his date 
like through some sort of electronic <laughs> service. He's this loudmouth like New Yorker dude, although the movie's set in Los Angeles, he's extremely New York. Garbage man. Huh? He's a garbage man. He's a garbage man, yeah, and he's just screaming. He's so awful. When he meets the woman, he's like, What? You're edgy I wanted no (laughs) no college broads or whatever. Yeah. And she's like taller. He's like a real he's like a short king and she's like she's probably like I don't even know, like five ten maybe, but she dwarfs him. Yeah, she's also in heels, and there's, like, all, all these gags of, like, she's up on a curb as well, and, like, he's, like, not on the curb, so yeah. she's even taller than him. It's great. It's, and yeah. he's just, like, this little ball of rage, and he's just bringing it in his performance. He must be a stage actor or something. I don't know yeah. who this guy is. It's, like, Bob Satchi or something was his name. I looked at I was so enamored with his performance in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of little... I mean, some are better than others, but there are a lot of really good little performances and people. It would be so fun to be in this movie and to carry a storyline in this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, Deborah Winger is just unbelievable. Like, one of the most undervalued actresses. If you haven't seen, just watch anything that she's in, honestly. I think yeah. she elevates, like, a stupid fucking movie like Urban Cowboy. It's <laughs> really good just because she's in it. Like, she's, I mean... Watch her act circles around Travolta in that movie, for mm-hmm. instance. I love I love that movie because it's about electric bull riding. I love <laughs> any movie that, like, I just watched Pushing 10 for the first time, which is all about how, how badass air traffic controllers are. Oh, air are. traffic, okay. No, I'm thinking Tin Cup, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> yeah, Tin Cup isn't, as golf is a little more relatable, like, anyone can play golf, but this is, like, just, like, this subculture or it tries to even act like there is this subculture of like badass flyboy air traffic control dudes, you know. And uh, Urban Cowboy is, is, is also John Cusack that. and it's and Cusack. who else is in that? It's Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton, some movie he met Angelina Jolie on, and they married. Ah. And it also has um, Kate Blanchett, I think, or. Yeah, it had somebody that I was like, what the fuck playing John Cusack's wife? I think it was Kate Blanchett. Yes, and I, I confused her with Tilda Swinton a lot. I, it was it was Kate Blanchett in the movie. It was just like, it's a stacked cast. It has mm. uh, Vicki Lewis from News Radio in it. Wow. Um, it, I, I, I should have loved it. It was a hilariously terrible movie. And anyway, I love movies that are like, like Urban Cowboy, Coyote Ugly, anything like that. Karate Kid is also like that. But um, what about what about Cocktail? Cocktail, absolutely. Any <clears throat> Tom Cruise, a, a, a movie about like a profession where it's just like, okay, this is the movie about that. Like, like uh, <laughs> okay, Punchline is one you. of those. That's a really clear way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. What is Punchline? Punchline is the stand-up comedy one with Sally Field and, um, and Tom Hanks. I've never seen that movie, dude. Oh, I would, God. I would actually the love to do that movie. The, the comedians have a locker room in the comedy club. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. Famously have a locker room. And as someone who has actually spent time in comedy green rooms, uh, it's usually a closet and there's usually a mop there as well. Yeah. Uh, so. Damn, dude. But um, we should yeah, do that movie, movie and the uh, Michael Chiklis fucking Belushi biopic. We should do a two-hander. Oh, wired, yeah, okay. wired. Anyway, sorry, uh, go on. Okay, so this movie, it's like, yeah, there's so many different people that you that you follow. You got like two teenage girls trying to sneak into the club. They're bringing got, their A game. 
Both oh, yeah. those girls were acting their asses off. They were everyone's good in this movie. Yeah, you got two loser boys who are of age, but like trying to be cool and are clearly not. Oh, that's me. That was who, that's that who was, I am, or who I would play is the dude. Uh, see, I, I am so many different people in this movie, like at different points in time. I'm like I am kind of the two girls, clearly in a place where I don't belong. I'm uh, I'm the the mean short guy because my my date is too tall, uh, but then I end up actually liking her. Uh, I am uh, Jeff Goldblum trying to act way smoother than I actually am. I'm also the accountant guy uh, because I just want to go home and watch television. Yeah, uh, like I'm so many people in this movie. Um, but yeah, again, you have you have all these different like okay, this couple has just had dinner. One's an accountant. Um, they go to the club. Jeff Goldblum has made a bet with the DJ to, to pick up a woman. It ends up being the wife of this accountant guy. Yeah, they put a spotlight on her, and yeah. nobody knows what's going on, but they're, like, meeting eyes from the DJ booth to the balcony. Yeah. It's pretty good, the way they shot it and stuff, yeah. And then, and so while she's off with Jeff Goldblum, he meets this, like, dental assistant who's, like, on all the drugs <laughs> and teaches him how to cut loose. She's like Cindy Lauper, so, kind yeah. of, is what I kept so, thinking. And so by the end of the movie, the husband and wife reconnect. Um, the, the, the guy who just can't cut a break and who never wears his glasses finally finds a woman while locked in a staircase. Uh, the girl, one of the that's, girls ends up dancing me. with the leather I'm guy. The, I'm the guy who sits at the bar and can't get a drink, and then I get locked in a staircase. And yes. It's like, no! <laughs> so it's just like all this stuff is happening over the course of one night. It cuts between all of them flawlessly. Oh, and the DJ has promised the Commodores, who don't show up until halfway through the movie. Then and they then do, they do show up, and it's like, whoa, Lionel Richie's, like, all the Commodores are, they're fun on camera. They did a yeah. good job, I think. Well, they're there, and then they don't have their equipment because their, their van driver keeps getting pulled <laughs> over by the cops. And having to prove that he can play all the instruments. Actually, pretty fun. Like at first, I was yeah. like again with this, but then by the end of it, he was like, "Okay, I'll show you." He just like preemptively stops, and gets out, yeah. and like gets the drum kit out, and then it cuts to like all these people are watching him, like, like watching like playing. <laughs> and that's pretty good. And Donna Summer is playing this woman who's trying to get her break, and she keeps trying to sneak into the DJ booth, and finally. They get she gets she goes on stage and opens for the Commodores singing her huge hit song, uh, Last Chance. Is that what that song is called? Last Chance. Yeah. It's that song. Yeah. Which and, I, uh, I'm not no. a big disco fan, but I recognize that song. And I thought that yeah. thank God it's Friday. <laughs> that song is like it just cuts into this guy going, Thank God. It's it's like it's a great hook. I like the theme yeah. to this. And the, at the end they abandon the theme. They don't play they play Last Chance again. They should yeah, have called the movie Last Chance. It had nothing uh, to do with Friday except the the one dude on the date is like, I bust my hump. And when I come out on a date, the woman should man. be stupid and shorter than me somehow. I think <laughs> that I think that that completely changes the tone of the movie. Thank God it's Friday, it makes it a party movie. And uh, this really okay. is a party movie. But we come out of it, it almost could be like, like at the end, the second, like it morphs into a movie that with a different title or something at the end. It should yeah, be called that's like, true. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I, I liked it a lot. Um, who else? And I, like, I will say, like, watching it a second time, it really, it held up. Like, I knew, I kind of had forgot. There's so much going on that there is, like, 
plenty of through lines that you can follow throughout the whole thing and kind of pay attention to the first time you watch it. Really pay attention to this guy the second time you watch it. Um, and it really is like, I don't know, it's an ensemble movie done right. And it's like the ability to juggle that many storylines and that many characters and make it fun and interesting for like really the whole movie. Yeah, totally. It's a bit of a challenge. And this is one of those movies in that time where they like I looked at the poster and it like it features all these different like and it has this guy in it and it has this mm-hmm. guy in it, you know, and like that's something that they were doing a lot for like disaster movies always come to mind. Like Poseidon Adventure is the one that comes to mind first with the poster where it's like Gene Hackman, uh <laughs> Jason, whoever I don't even remember who's in that movie, but you yeah. know, it's like their faces and the towering inferno and shit and that and like this is like that kind of movie for sure but it's like about something it is straight up just kind of like there's not really any dangerous consequences right. or anything and we haven't even talked about oh now's the best time to bring up what really put this movie over the top for me where i was like this is pretty good whatever you know i mean <laughs> i do i'll tell you i mean i don't mean to like show my hand too much but i just i guess i'm just like in love with deborah winger or something i just every time <laughs> her storyline i just i loved it but okay i digress because what really put this movie over the top for me was um marv gomez the leather man this yep. dude fucking pulls up in this gaudy old-timey truck with flames on it and he's like this dude the actress chick venera <laughs> i don't know anything about him really but he has his own oh he has his own uh fucking wikipedia page so hell yeah wow. to him but oh he's in the jetsons <laughs> full circle from our last episode anyway um he pulls up and this guy, and he just like comes in like a force of nature and like mm-hmm. is like a lightning bolt for me in this movie. He's sort of like the saint of disco or something. Mm-hmm. He comes in and his motto basically is that like dancing is the only thing that's worth anything. Like life isn't worth living if you can't dance, basically. And that he loves leather. And he was like a loser until he bought leather and now he. Wears only he was wearing this insane leather suit, but he pulls. Yeah, we up. should. I I should mention this is not like leather daddy leather. This is like this leather seventies fashion leather yeah. pants and like yep. a leather jacket and a leather hat and stuff. Yes, no, that's a good distinction. He's not a leather daddy, but he is in a way. He's a leather a man. Leather He's a leather man. As he describes himself, I am Marv Gomez, the leather man. He says that many times. But he pulls into this movie. He, like, bumps into a car in front of these two teenage girls that have been trying to get in. And basically, he parks, and they're like, hey, uh, one of the girls is just like, hey, if you get us, you got to get us into the club. And if you don't, we'll tell on you. We'll tell the owner of the car that you hit the car. And he goes, hey, you know, like his response is just like, all right, you know. (laughs) And like it cuts to him getting these teenage girls into the club. And he's like, you think maybe he's going to be like a creep or a bad guy? No, never. He just comes in. He gets them in. He is like, I'm going to win. He does. He wins the dance competition at the end. Mm-hmm. The end. And he inspires this boy to go meet Deborah Winger or whatever by mm-hmm. giving him a leather jacket and doing one of the best things I've ever seen in the movie ever. He takes him outside and he has like a heart to heart with him. And he's like, 
He tells him his story, his origin story of how he bought a leather jacket. And then he just <laughs> gives this boy his, le- his first leather jacket. And he's like, may this bring good luck to you. But then he dances on top of all the cars, ending with falling through the roof of one of the cars. And everyone <laughs> cheers. And he goes, he says something like, dancing is all that life is all that matters in life or something he's like looking at the camera and it's just like it fucking uh, that was an insane moment that I loved and I, I think Marv Gomez the leather man is like one of the greatest characters I've ever seen in any like I just cannot stop thinking about how hilarious and ridiculous just the power of taking a big swing and letting something crazy be in your in your movie, you know? Holy shit. Anyway. Yeah. I I really okay, so that's another thing I, I really like honed in on this is that in nineteen seventy eight, a movie set kind of in the dance disco uh club scene has the potential to have some bad stuff in it. As we as we have witnessed in other episodes of this show, yes. Outside of a slightly transphobic couple of gags, but it really doesn't. Pretty progressive uh, for it's like it's not exactly judgmental about that character. It treats that character with dig- more dignity than I ever would have expected. I don't. That know. character simply exists in the narrative. Yes. And kind of that's it. It's played as a gag once or twice, but but I would also say they only come in for a gag. And that's why. Yeah, I don't know if it's meant to be funny, more just meant to be like, here, anything goes, you know? I mean, that is yeah. problematic in and of itself, but it's le- it's not hateful, you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. Ace Ventura or something like like if Ace Ventura is the oh, bottom God. of transphobia, like the most transphobic piece of art that has been elevated to like a <laughs> successful status, it's not anywhere near that, you know, like I was surprised I was surprised at how much like dignity they gave that character. Although it is kinda of, it was there were times where it was like the dude was kinda of like what? Okay, but yeah, he was still nice, though, right? So that's 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 the thing. This character is like you would think as a trans woman, but we're introduced to them in the men's restroom and they're shaving. Yes, and it's like none of the other men, and that's a packed restroom too. None of the other men seem to really care. Except Marv Gomez refers to her as a woman. He goes, "Hey, lady, can you shave over here?" And so he can let the girls through the window. Marv Gomez oh, okay. is a saint. Yeah. He's he's progressive. He's clearly <laughs> extremely high on cocaine, but Oh yeah. Holy shit. No, but I noticed that he he uses correct pronouns. Wow. And so I think the other part the other place where that character comes in is like but, but see that character is in the men's restroom and that's what confuses me. Because I would well, think Well, the movie is from... It's from 78, dude. People are, like, fucking stupid. I mean, it's not totally yeah. good. It's not like... Yeah. It's not like Tangerine or some shit. It's like... Yeah. It is what it is. But, like, for what it is, you... I think it'd be hard to find a movie that... It, you know? You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, like that, that, that yeah. takes the same angle that, that has the ability to take a really bad angle and chooses not to go down that route. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there because there have there is plenty of stuff uh, that we have talked about on the show uh, where there is transphobic stuff and that comes yes. way later. Yes. And, like, I'm talking even in since the year 2000, it has happened. Um, oh, absolutely. Even, like, yeah. it probably happens now. I mean, I, it without a doubt happens now. I don't know. It doesn't happen in, like, popular media anymore, but it's still... Boy, there was a point where that was okay. It was, and even just, like, 10 years ago, maybe, or mm. I don't even... Who knows, you know? I'm sure, I'm sure somebody... Definitely knows, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, because yeah, it's I mean, like, it's, it's not fucking cool at all. Like, and to on, on that like note, I just one of the mo- more recent episodes of SNL I've watched was like Will Ferrell, and in his opening monologue, he made a crack about like, no more, you know, we're not doing uh sketches in blackface. What is this, 2013? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was just that long ago that that was like, like could be acceptable in certain contexts. Yeah. And it sure ain't anymore in any context. And, you know, just what we were comfortable with not that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It was really not that long ago that we were okay with a lot of bad shit. No, totally, dude. And I recently rewatched Bamboozled. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is such. I think that is maybe his mass Spike Lee's masterpiece. Honestly, yeah. I think that movie is so good. Everything down to yeah. like the dialect that Damon Wayans is affecting and stuff. Mm. And uh, they actually probably it's the best use of Michael Rappaport in any movie mm. ever. Uh, oh, when he has to like tap dance on his desk and yeah, like, yeah, and ugh. like I mean, and Jada Pinkett is in it. Yeah, that's that's a very good movie. And, um, um, that was. Yes, go ahead. That was one of the first uh, Spike Lee movies I really kind of like watched over and over again, and I listened to the commentary a lot too. So kind of like hearing what Spike Lee had to say, and kind of got me more into his other movies, and watching him with that yeah. the eye of like what his point is of making that movie. How does that translate to everything else he, that he's done? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a great one. Totally. I think I saw um, Do the Right Thing before, but Bamboozled is like one of the first Spike Lee movies I watched. I just remember it being like, well, Damon Wayans is acting so weird in this, you know? And like, yeah. I didn't really understand why he's acting weird. And like, it's just so, that movie's so good. And it's an early yeah. uh, shot on digital movie. And it's really, it's really great. It has a great look to it. And I love it. It's, yeah, like I, I just remember when I was getting into Spike Lee, just hearing about how he had a DP who always wanted to shoot on videos and uh, on video. And I think like Clockers was when we're like the DP was like, we got to shoot this on video. And he was like, nah. And so um, this digital revolution came around uh, in, in the early 2000s, mini DV and everything when I was in film school. And so bamboozled a good majority of that movie is shot on like consumer level digital video. Yeah. But everything that they shoot for television, for the television show, is shot on 16 millimeter. So it has a different look to it. It has a very clean, uh, clean look to it. Um, so it's really cool. It's like just from a film nerd 
point of view, it has that context as well as everything else that Spike Lee does. Absolutely. He is such a genius, like a forward-thinking person that does such insane things that he's he's so undervalued, I think, in a lot of... I mean, he is celebrated, but, dude, a lot of people haven't even seen Clockers, for instance. You mentioned that. Yeah. That's another... That is like a fucking, like a masterpiece, dude. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. And I talk to people that, like, I mean, people's knowledge of Spike Lee is kind of like do the right thing. Maybe Jungle but Fever, man. you know. But, like, I mean, I don't know. But you got to think about how young that dude was when he, I don't think he was even 30 when he did do the right thing. No, he wasn't. You know, it, like. I think he was like 28 or something like that. How, right? how do you wrangle something that big at that age and that he wrote directed and acted in that movie like and then two movies later he made malcolm x yeah <laughs> and when he was like early 30 he was in that movie too yes. and that's like uh that's like that that movie came out on two video cassettes dude you know that's you know what it takes like, to make a movie that long that's in one of the classic double vhs movies in my opinion i remember the, yeah. that movie came out there was a wall of x and i was like what is yeah. this movie i didn't see it <laughs> until years later actually but my mom tried to get, get me to go see that in the theater she thought it was really important uh, i wish my it. mom would have had but her like, into the ground like in that way she but. and then years later when what denzel won an oscar for training day my mom was like he's really winning it for malcolm x because they they screwed him over on that so she had this opinion of it, and so like I finally saw it. And I'm like, oh damn, that was really yeah good. That was really good. I mean, honestly, Denzel is one of those actors. I watched Man on Fire kind of recently. It's yeah. like a later Tony Scott movie. It's from like '04. I'm watching all Tony Scott movies right now, just as a personal project, um, and enjoying it a lot. Um, but I just think even in that, it's just like, man, how come he should have like five Oscars at this mm -hmm. point, you know? I mean, because I love um, Malcolm X is a great movie. He Got Game is a really good movie that he's in. I think The Book of Eli hmm. is a fucking awesome movie. Is that like a dystopian sci-fi thing? Yes. Or, okay. It's not I, dystopian. It's post-apocalyptic. Okay. I want to check that out. Like water, bartering for water and stuff like that you know like that level of civilization yeah uh yeah but anyway thank god it's friday <laughs> just like yeah, some I of mean, the movies we just mentioned are all ensemble movies and this yeah. was a good one i like this is yeah i mean it's you know a lot of times when you have a big cast i guess nowadays like the thing that i guess you could most closely compare this with is like the last two Marvel movies, the last two big Avengers movies that were like, <laughs> yeah, we got everyone from all the movies. Where it's um, tying all these strands. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. not wrong about that. You know, and, and you know, I did like those two movies for, Didn't you know, I, I liked them and I thought they did a very good job at like getting all those things in a story that worked across two movies. Um, but you know, that being said, thank God it's Friday did not require, does not require the knowledge of seeing 10 years worth of other movies or reading comics or anything. It, it is all self-contained in this one movie. It's not a lengthy, um, you know, uh, 
Robert Altman kind of thing where people are really discovering themselves in some cross-country thing. No, it's a comedy. It is like an hour and a half. It takes place on one night, and it's all in one place. And it's like you get to know everybody, and you get to see um, – you get to relate to the, who they are at the beginning. You get to relate to who they are at the end of the movie. Everyone has a great time at the end. It's just – yeah, it's it's – fantastic movie it's a fun yeah it has a real fun good time energy to it and it's the kind of movie that people would never trust to make now you know we Mm -hmm. were actually uh my friend and i watching it we were talking about 200 cigarettes that's a movie she likes a lot too and i was like this is kind of like that was sort of a version of that like somebody Mm -hmm. trying to do this in the 90s you know like have you seen that movie oh yeah i've seen it in a long time but it was just like a big ensemble movie where you follow like eight storylines and it's just on about, New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, it's about having a good time and whatever. But this movie was yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh I I really enjoyed it a lot. It had a good good vibe. A good feel good movie, yeah. Yeah, indeed. But they would never uh, make a movie like I sorry, that's what I meant to say. It's like they would never just like trust that they could make a fun movie like this today, you know? I think I they should. I think they could totally... I think there's enough talent out there that they could totally pull this shit off. I agree. Easily. And Maybe yeah. that's kind of what those Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve or whatever, those newer movies... Maybe that is what that mm, is. Maybe. I haven't yeah. seen those. I haven't either. Well, okay, so Love Actually is kind of like this as well. Yeah. That's kind of one of those with all those different storylines, different people, you know, Christmas... And I know people who love it and hate that movie, but whatever. I think it's the same type of deal. Yeah. So, yeah, people love that movie. Whatever, man. You can make this kind of movie again. Do yeah. it. <laughs> they should. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back with a big roundup. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob, and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said, SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Uh, we're we're back with the the big roundup. Uh, and so, Randy, thank God it's Friday. 
on a one to five star scale, what would you give it? I'm going to give it um, three and a half out of five stars. It's a movie that I had a lot of fun watching. I don't know if I would ever watch it again necessarily. I, for one, don't really like disco music. I'm sorry. I hate to be a spoil sport or be negative or a naysayer, but I just don't like disco. I don't like the aesthetic of the club and the inside. It's the mirrors and all that shit. I just... It reminds, it makes me think of like cigarette smoke and like babysitters or being in, you know, being in a weird, like adults are having a party and I'm in a weird yeah. room with weird kids or so. I don't, <laughs> maybe I'm getting a little personal. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> it just draws back some like, some memory that is so hazy, you know, for me about, I don't know, just something about dark mirrors, 70s aesthetic. I just, I don't like it. I find it ugly. I find that music ugly. There's a lot of cool, like, punk rock and stuff happening at the same time. If this is about a punk club, I would love it immensely. I would. It would be my favorite movie, you know, or if it was about even a new well, way. you if know there about, is a CB, CBGB movie. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. We should, we that. should get into this, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm down for it. I haven't seen it. it. I just know that it's there. But this movie... That said, being about a style of music I don't like and using an aesthetic I don't like necessarily. Like, Phantom of the Paradise is a movie I kept thinking of while I was watching this. And that's actually, a lot of people love that, but that's one of my least favorite De Palma movies because of the way it looks and the inside of the. I just don't like it. I think it looks bad and ugly and I hate it, you know? And I hate disco music and stuff. Yeah. So, that said, though. This movie transcended all that by being a really fun movie with a lot of fun performance. Everyone is bringing it. Some people are big actors like Deborah Winger and Jeff Goldblum. Some people are like in two movies like the short guy and the accountant and whatever. And like, but everybody is absolutely doing their best job and is really good. The DJ is a really fun character. Donna Summer is actually like a fun character. And so I'm going to give it, yeah, three and a half out of five. And I recommend cool. that you watch it once at least, maybe. Uh, I, I'm going to give it uh, four stars. Um, this is after watching it a second time and uh, having just as much fun the second time around as I did the first time. And um, I think it really holds up. And again, I also am not the hugest fan of disco music. I like dance music. To a certain extent, but I'm not a disco fan. Me too. I but, love electronic and dance, and I love yeah. to dance. But I just something about disco, yeah, disco. the mix of it, and so yeah. I just don't like it. I just don't but, care for it. You know, like uh, Detroit Rock City, which I think is a fantastic movie, and I hate <laughs> Kiss. I cannot stand the Kiss. Adam Rifkin. But I think Detroit Rock City is a good movie. Um, yeah, this this movie as well. It's it's all about like some great characters. It's about kind of their story and it's not about disco this isn't you know the 54 movie this is you know this isn't the movie about disco this is a movie that takes place at a at a disco nightclub um and it's about all the people that go there on a friday night and it's great it's fantastic it's a great one to watch on your own it's a great one to watch um if we ever get back to watching you know movies together again um, it would be so fun to watch this in a theater, I think. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, and like, With a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. If it was like actually seven. I mean, the thing is, 
I mean, if we were, th- if I was 35 in 1978, I might be wise enough to be like, oh, yeah, let's go see any movie. Any movie can be good, you know. But if I was like 20 when this came out, I'd be like, Discus, undoubtedly, I would have been hardline, Disco sucks, you yeah. know. Yep. But like, I don't know. I don't know. It was a fun movie. It is a good, it's interesting, especially interesting to me. Obviously, it's very, it's a time capsule. Mm-hmm. It's very. Oh, we should mention right before we forget. Uh, Jeff Goldblum drives in in like a really like a Porsche or something, mm-hmm. like a nice car, and then he at the end, the fucking accountant guy has been carrying like a fucking like a like a pepper grinder or something for the whole movie. For I don't know why I missed it. Why he's carrying yeah. it around? But he like bonks Jeff Goldblum's car on the top of it, and the car subsequently breaks down completely. And it's like a 30-second, just the car breaking down. Wasn't the gag, though, that, like, people kept hitting his car? Like, Leatherman hit it when he came in. He hit it with a, that big-ass uh, truck. Oh, okay. So people, well, like, there's he, the benefit of watching this movie twice, Will. Yeah, so he, like... Because I was like, did they, have they called... Or <laughs> I just thought it was a random thing that happened. It, I've been thinking about it all day. And, yeah, my friend who I was watching it with, she didn't get it either. I was like... What the fuck? But all right. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, they kept they keep coming out of the club, you know, showing the outside of the parking lot, and so he covers it up at the very beginning, and then throughout the movie, like people keep hitting it and shit. Yeah, the weatherman uh, does hit a car. I thought it was. I didn't realize it was. I, I just. I think that's it. what happens. You're, I mean, listeners, you're just in real time hearing me realize something, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm mature and wise enough to accept that I did not catch that. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> car falls apart though. It's you know yeah. it's something else. And he's a he's a sleazy dude in this movie. Um He is. I think he's kind so. of a sleazy dude in real life, isn't he? I mean I don't he know. He might be. I don't know. He's sort of You should watch that that thing, that show he has on Disney. I watched the one about sneakers and I was like Nah, I'm not gonna watch. It was hard. It's it's like, man, that guy must be impossible to talk to and just have like a regular conversation. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't so. need, I don't need any extra gold bloom in my life. I'm fine with him. Yeah. He's good in the fly, and he's a fine presence in some movies. But I'm not a gold bloom fanatic. I don't need a do. I don't, I don't crave gold bloom. Yeah, personally. you don't have a gold bloom uh, body pillow. Um, no. Do you? And not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Not so, my fave, yeah. but he's fine. He's good in this movie because I think he, you know, he he's doesn't. He's great in this movie. Because he is playing a sleazebag and he's yeah. doing it like, I think, given, because he turns into a sleazebag kind of in the fly too, uh, yeah. as uh, along with turning into like a fly, he's also becoming an awful person. He's good in deep yeah. cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he he's understated though as a sleazebag in this. You know, he at the end he's mm-hmm. sort of just like I didn't even touch her. You know, he's he's very like passive and he's just trying to like walk away from the situation. And, yeah. Like, he's not. He never. He's he's like his presence is aggressive, I guess, towards her, and he's like preying on her vulnerability and shit for sure. He's like a sleazy dude, but. He doesn't, like, cross the line in an extreme... Like, this movie, I think kids could watch this movie and it would be fine, you know what I mean? Yeah. By that, like, it's more like... He's sort of gently, like, a bad guy in this movie, I guess. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. 
Because then when the husband comes out, he's like, oh, my bad. And he just, like, is trying to, like, walk away from, like, you know, (laughs) the situation. And then the husband makes his car fall apart. And it's, like, it's actually kind of funny. I laugh. (laughs) So is there anything else you would recommend? I know we we have talked about a lot of other movies in this episode. But is there anything, like, that comes to mind that you would recommend based on this one? Uh, Just, like, a ensemble movie that works like this Jesus Christ I don't even know I mean it's hard to say I love things that are built around kind of like niche interests and stuff like that I mean this is like sort of like a fad movie you know I guess or I don't know what you'd call you know where it's built around this like this style of music that has emerged and we're like cashing in on its popularity. And I mean, I actually do really like two disco movies, despite all the hate I've said about disco. I am a huge fan of Whitstillman's the last days of disco. Oh yeah. And, uh, I think it's John Badham. I can't remember who Saturday night fever is one of my favorite movies. Um, Saturday Night Fever is not really about disco, and it's like it's actually like mercilessly short on club footage. And what happens in the club is a very realistic depiction of being in a club, in my opinion, where you're just kind mm-hmm. of uncomfortable and like shouting at a table and stuff, you know. And like, I don't know, um, it just like that movie, it just had a, a sequence that called for a dance, and then Travolta just happened to be happens to be a pretty good dancer, like just kind of like club dancer. Yeah, it's sort of uh, a dance competition is sort of a through line in that movie, but it's not not at all about that. It's more about, it's it's just about, it's a coming of age movie, you know, that covers a lot of emotional ground in really interesting ways. And it has a lot of interesting, pretty, especially for the time, like mature things to say about, the, uh, the way men should treat women and stuff like that because like a lot of what like kind of what the big lesson that um, he learns that Travolta's character learns at the end of that movie is that he can he can be friends with a woman <laughs> like that's like oh, okay. the big emotional step he, he makes you know it's like and like it feels like for a movie small but it realistic in that way I think yeah. you know that that's like it's like a slow progression you know but he makes he's making progress like as a person and that movie, well, I, don't I know, think it's a, that, it's a really good movie, though. Yeah, I mean, because like I guess at the end of most movies, you expect that you know, hey, they fall in love and live happily ever after. But yeah. you know, when, like, hey, man, you know. Yeah. So how does that translate into the sequel, Staying Alive, directed by? It's, uh, I mean, Stallone. the sequel is its own beast. You know, it's a different kind of movie. The sequel actually has a little more similar energy to this movie, maybe. But the sequel really? is like a narcissistic. Like the first one is like. A very honest and emotional, like sometimes, I mean, it famously has a gang rape scene in it, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I think if you actually, some people just hear about that or they remember seeing it and being surprised as a kid, you know, that this this movie has stuff like that. And then it also features an on-screen suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And people are just remember being like, what the fuck? You know, like that comes out of nowhere. But I mean, if you watch it as an adult, it's like such a well, a multi-layered, well-made movie. It really kind of reminds me of like The Exorcist or something where it's like about a demonic possession, but it's also Mm -hmm. just about these people's lives and how 
they're dealing with grief and changes and you know like the possibility of losing the people they love or whatever you know you know what i mean so like saturday yeah. night fever i would say definitely is a great movie that everybody should watch and the last days of disco is not that good but it's a fun movie it's, yeah it's got that wit stillman energy yeah it's got chloe it's, 70 and kate beckinsale and it's yeah. just a lot of fun you know if you're if you kind of understand what he's doing um then wit stillman movies can be interesting and I think I described it a long time ago. I don't know if this really stands anymore, but I said, like, okay, Whit Stillman movie is like, you got a really great novel that's very interesting that is directed by, like, a first-time filmmaker, I think. Like, that kind of, because everything is very still. Which it one? Metropolitan? Very, Metropolitan, especially. Yeah. Um, it should, and then even Barcelona, like, is very, like, static. It um, is. Those first three movies are really good. I think yeah. they're kind of they're contained in the same universe mm-hmm. and he made damsels in distress. It's sort of like a weird, like let's get the band back together. Like, let's <laughs> see if we can do this again. Yeah. Like, reunion album kind of, but he doesn't use, he uses new actors instead of, he should have mm-hmm. gone back and made a movie about being more his age or, you know, being yeah. like in your forties and use Chris Eigenman again. Cause I honestly would have, it would be a lot more valuable if he had used, uh, the stock players, you know? Yeah. Well, his movies are, like, really about kind of the idle class, and it's just, like, a lot of just talking. And it is. But if, if, you under, if you're ready for that, and if you're ready to just kind of take that journey and understand what he's kind of going through and what themes are universal, it, it is interesting to watch, and it is quite good, but, you know... <laughs> not like this movie. It is not like this movie at all. No, it's different, but it is, it's set at like, it's set like really in like 81 or 80. Yeah. It's before AIDS. So, but it's like kind of right before AIDS, I think. Yeah. If I recall correctly. I don't know. Now, now that I think about it, he did get uh, Beckinsale and 70 back for Love and Friendship, but I did not, also did not really care for that movie either. I didn't, I didn't see that one, so. Um, Movies for me, I mentioned it earlier, Detroit Rock City. Um, I don't like Kiss at all. Kiss I don't. is maybe my least favorite band. Honestly. Yeah, I really... Kiss sucks so bad. But this movie is really good. It is a really good buddy movie. Um, and it is, at points, a very good road movie. And it is directed by Adam Rifkin, who did The Dark Backward, which um, is a really crazy movie that has Bill Paxton and... Uh, Judd Nelson. Uh, Bre- Judd Nelson, there you go. Um, you just sh- should watch that one because it's really crazy. But Yeah, I'd, I'd love um, to actually just cover the Dark Backward Man. Yeah. Movie. Adam Rifkin is uh, a very competent director who has just never had a huge break. His last biggish hit was that last Burt Reynolds movie um, that came out, um, you know, which is essentially about Burt Reynolds being old and kind of finding his last hurrah. Um, and so, yeah, but it's a good, it's a very good, you know, movie set in the world of rock and roll, uh, which I think is a much better way to do that, um, than have it be almost all about Kiss. Kiss is like barely in the movie. It's just Kiss memorabilia. Yeah. And it has Edward Furlong in it. Like he's good, right? In the movie. I don't know. He's okay in that. Yeah. 
post Terminator, post brain scan. It's no, it's probably uh, the last time he's in a movie where he's not just like it's like, whoa, dude, you know. I think it's the last time he could play a high schooler. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I don't know. That's kind of the one that I wanted to mention. Um, I don't really have anything else that I thought of uh, in this. Um, but yeah. So those are my recommendations. Randy. Hell yeah, you, brother. You got anything Hell to plug yeah. this week? Oh, not really. I mean, who knows? No, we have a lot backlogged and stuff, so. Who knows what will be going on. Who knows what will be out. going on. I hope. A month from now. You know, yeah, I mean, fuck. I don't know. The world is crazy. Be kind to people. Black Lives Matter. I am in a band called Chat Pile. Randy Rules, also available musically, but, you know, check it out or don't. But just know that, you know, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> wear a mask. <laughs> don't be stupid, you know. Be kind. Yeah. Be compassionate. All right? Uh, you can Thank you hear, for listening, too. <laughs> you can hear my other shows. Um, uh, Nerd Rage of the Great Debates out every week. Uh, comedy game show uh, where we yell at each other, but our friends afterwards, so... You know, it's it's fun. It's crazy. Uh, I think season four should have started by now. It's it was a crazy season three. We're back season four, picking right up with no break. Uh, so check that out. Septoc, if you want to hear about documentaries, that's George and Paco. Uh, every two weeks that comes out. We haven't even recorded. When we're recording this, we haven't even recorded the next episode. So nice. the last one I know about is the Go-Go's documentary, which was on Showtime was very good. We had a good talk about that. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Subscribe, do all that stuff, share with your friends, Cathode Ray Mission. Uh, that's it from me. So, Randy, till next week. Well, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining me live via satellite. <laughs> all right. I'm Berkeley. All right, I'll talk to you uh, the next episode. Yeah, about time for me to settle up and hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> it's been a long day. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. All right.